Hey, welcome to this episode of A Pastor and a Rabbi Walk Into a Bar. So glad that you're with us. I am Sean Hennessy, pastor of Life Church in Green Bay, and I'm joined by my friend and my brother, the Honorable, the Right Rabbi, Matthew Rosenberg. It's playoff season, so yeah. I feel like it's. Thank you. Final countdown, baby, by Europe. But can you? You can't open with a final countdown. I feel like you have to close with a final countdown. No, bro. That was the Pistons walk-in song during the '80s when they were the bad boys. Nobody so cares anyway. about the Pistons. Go ahead, oh, your mama. My mama does. No, she doesn't care about the. <laughs> she doesn't care about the Pistons. When's the last time you heard of your mama? Joke? She doesn't even know Pistons. <laughs> She's like, what? A, what's a Piston? That's a Piston. That's like the line in uh, in in um, the Pixar movie Cars when he says he won a Piston Cup, and Mater goes, "He did what in his cup?" <laughs> I like cartoons because I'm a grown-up. That's Oh, that's your line. That Why is my line. Like I say them. I don't like cartoons because I'm a grown-up. Yeah, dumb grown-up. <laughs> Obviously. Bro, did you know? Are you ready for this one? I am. This is a good one. John Hamm. Yeah. You know Mad Men? Yeah, Mad Men. Mad Men. Oh, gosh. Was, uh, Single-handedly brought Canadian Club back into Can- public consciousness. Canadian what? Canadian Club. What's the whiskey that he drank through the whole show? Oh. CC. Where people say, I'll take a CC and Coke. Anyway, yeah. He brought it back, wow. baby. I didn't realize that. Anyway, John Hamm. He was Ellie Kemper's high school drama teacher in 1994. Ellie Kemper from The Office. Really? That's crazy. He was a teacher in 1994? He was a drama teacher at a high school that Ellie no. Kemper attended. John Burroughs High School in St. Louis. There's no way. He he wasn't even famous in 1994. Like, where did he came out of nowhere? No, totally. When did Mad Men come out? That's yeah. That feels like that was 2000s, 90s. That's not the 90s. No, it, no, it's not the 90s. It came out in fact check. It came out. Okay, I mean, so, it's like 10 years ago. So listen years to this. Ago, yeah. So Aaron Kemper took his drama class her freshman year, and asked if she remembered any of John John's acting advice or technique. In class, her response was, she does not. (laughs) (laughs) But she does remember how her and her classmates thought he was incredibly handsome. Definitely handsome. He is a handsome guy. He was the perfect fit for Don Draper. Yeah. I mean, he was was spot on. 2007. That's when oh, Mad yeah. Men came out. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great show. We I remember one he was year on teaching drama before right? that. Not long ago. Like 13 years before that. Mm. that. So one Black Friday. I could teach drama because I have two teenage daughters. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a different yes. kind of drama, but one Black Friday, Sonny and I were at uh, Target and they had the Mad Men, Mad Men season one on sale on DVD. For mm. ten bucks, mm. and we bought it. Divida, as Zoolander calls it. Divida. We watched that thing straight through. Man, it was like, wow, this is such a great show. We, yeah, you we got. Were show. you guys like like five a.m. Good Friday shoppers? Like, uh, mm. like the early morning. I'm gonna get the deals. Or you just kind of 
went in after lunch? Depends what the deal <laughs> is. Like if it's like there's like a 60-inch TV for $199. Yeah. Then then maybe I would go and try to get one early enough. But I don't want to get trampled over a TV. Right. And I don't want to sleep outside overnight in a tent in Green Bay in November to get an iPad. I don't want anything bad enough so to do that. That so. reminded me when my buddy Ibars and I were uh, in Africa and we went to see uh, the uh, Marvel Civil uh, Captain America Civil War in the capital of Zimbabwe in wow. Harare. So we go to movie theater and they you bought the tickets, but they made people line up at the door of the theater. And they like opened the doors and everybody just started pushing because it was to get seats, right? Now, Ibars is a big, big guy and I'm not a big guy, but uh, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm scrappy. You were bigger than it was before you yeah, but became they, a member of they Noom. They cracked open the doors. Our and, sponsor, Noom. And the two of us just, we trampled other people Bro, to get in. Two rabbis. We pushed through, baby, because we had to get our yes. seats. Captain America throws his mighty shield. It's mm, a good one. Throwback. It is a, great, it is a throwback, it is bro. A throwback. John Hamm yeah. is awesome in these Apple commercials now. Have you seen these? Where he's like, everybody has their own show but me. <laughs> he's like sitting out. Oh, I don't on think this I've seen that. It's hilarious, bro. He's like, this guy has a show? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, like, it's hilarious. That is funny. And then you go, yeah. I, I will say this. So did he become famous in 2007 because of Mad Men? I don't know. Is I don't remember him in anything before that. Right. But I will say now this. he's in everything. I feel like I, to my recollection, and I could be, I could be corrected on this. Mm -hmm. I can't think of anything I've seen John Hamm in that I didn't like. Oh. So either he's an incredible actor uh -huh. or he just picks his roles really well. Hmm. Which I thought was, I read an interesting article between uh, Matt Damon interviewed Ben Affleck here recently. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's funny when you hear two friends interviewing each other because they, they were riding each other. It was hilarious. But Matt Damon was talking about how Ben Affleck wasn't a good picker of roles. <laughs> and so that he's, he goes, it's not that you've just been in bad, it's not that you're a bad actor. You've just picked bad roles. Like you've just <laughs> like, it's like you were desperate to be in anything. And so you've been non-selective. And funny. so, so when I, when I think about John Hamm and not being in anything that I don't like, I just got the new uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Oh. And bro, it's so good. Wait, John Hamm was in no. When We Were Soldiers. No. no, he wasn't. He was. What a great movie. That was 2002. That felt like Braveheart Part Two, though. Mm -hmm. He was also in uh, Ally McBeal. I would never know that. 1997. So right go. out, he came out of his acting classes. Boom. And he... He parlayed it into Ally McBeal. Yeah. Which is so let's go back to okay, your so statement. Go back to my statement. Which was I've never seen Ally McBeal, like but Allie I can say when we were soldiers <laughs> was incredible. Totally. I loved that movie. Great movie. It was, I mean, back that was back before controversy, but that was when Mel Gibson could do no wrong. Right. I mean, it, he was on a roll. Before he was an anti-Semitic bastard. Right. Well, before we knew he was an anti-Semitic pastor. Yeah. He may have already been. Pastor? There. Did you say pastor? Bastard. An anti-Semitic pastor. Well, I don't there say words. Too. I don't say words like bastard. Oh. You, but you just said it. Well, I was quoting you. Oh. 
So I just got this Red Hot Chili Peppers album, and it's so good. And I- New? New. Like, it came out- When? I think this week. 2022? Yeah, bro. Get out of here. Yeah, I got it right here. If you want to see the, if you want to see the cover, it is produced you by- You literally Rick, have a CD. Yeah, for in sure. In front of us. Yeah, for sure. It's now pretty, I wish it was on film. And it's produced by Rick Who Rubin. Who buys CDs? Me. I buy them. Where? I buy them at Target. You go to Sam Goody's? Get a CD. I don't think there is Sam Goody, and it's Sam Goody. It's not Sam Goody's. It's Sam Goody. There were a lot of goodies there. Yeah, isn't but that? it was called Sam Goody, <laughs> and I buy CDs. So the latest, uh, the last CD that Do I you bought still before. buy your computers at Circuit City. <laughs> <laughs> Here's why I buy CDs. I inherited a car from my son. It's a 2004 Toyota Prius. Yeah, and it has a CD player. But it doesn't have Bluetooth. How do you inherit a car from your son? I bought the car for him. He got another car. <laughs> so you bought the car for yourself. Well, he drove it for several <laughs> years. He wrecked it a, a time or two. Whoops. And then it became my daughter's car after it was my son's car. And, How and many then times did she wreck it? She's, she's a car wrecker. <laughs> she drives until she hits something. Like she drives, Sonny and I like to say that she drives like it's bumper cars. Oh, so she's had a few mishaps, okay? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 this car, it came back maybe to me. A, maybe you should start on a moped. <laughs> yeah, so she could be killed in traffic. <laughs> so this car comes back to me, and my kids make fun of me. Like, I love driving it. I, mean, I, have, a, I have a big truck as well, but I love driving this car. It's easy to get around. It's like driving a go-kart. The big truck compensates for the Prius. Yes. So yeah. it has a CD player, a six-disc changer, actually. So I, I, have oh, two, I, have, I had one of those in a Mazda, in my Mazda five. Well, I have I have two CDs in it right now. Uh huh. I have. But you could have Silk four Sonic, more. the Bruno Mars band. Oh yeah. Which is, I mean, there's a couple dirty they songs won, on there, they won but so many Grammys. Bro, I'm telling you right now, they're so good. Smoking out the window. So good. Bah, 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 bah. And it's a, must have been thirty five, forty five thousands up. Anyway, it's a. My, my, I was singing one of his songs the other day, and my son literally goes, oh, you think you're cool because you can sing a Bruno Mars song? I go, no, I just like the song. Why would I be trying to be cool? Like, uh, no. I like that it was it was from, uh, I think it's Bootsy Collins is the one who put that group together, oh, right? Yeah. So they sing these old songs. Actually, they just did a remake, and it's not on their record. They they did remade Love Train. Bro, that song is banging. Mm. So anyway, I, I also have Red the Hot new Chili Red Hot Peppers. Chili Peppers, which has been produced by Rick Rubin, who is right. a genius. Oh, yeah. They're and when all, I listen to this- Are they all this, still alive? I think so. I mean, they're all on the cover anyway. I mean, they, mm. look, they look like they're, they're fresh more like, out of rehab, for sure. They're, ooh, <laughs> they're flea is well-worn. They're more Let's like just say uh, that. Lu- lukewarm chili peppers. Interesting fact about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I learned this this week before I knew that they had a new album, mm-hmm. is that the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Flea, the phenomenal bass player, right? they never talk. Ever? They don't have conversations. They don't talk to each other. They have no mm. relationship. They're just in a band My together. jam was, uh, at least I have her love, the city she loves me. Of course, because that's on the radio, right? So you're a, you're a commercial Chili Peppers fan. Totally. Here's my point of this record. That's the only song I know. There's never been a Red Hot Chili Peppers song that I've heard that I don't like. Ever? Ever. Wow. And so I got to thinking today about what are some bands, and I want you to chime in on this. Like, there, there's mm. such a, very few bands that I would say... Uh, to me, they're they don't have a bad song. Mumford and Sons, 
I, I can't give you a bad Mumford & Sons. I love Mumford & Sons. I yeah. love every song. love every album. I wait anxiously for them to come out. I Foo Fighters. I don't love the youngest son, but. Foo, just kidding. <laughs> Foo Fighters. Love yeah. every Foo Fighters song. I love the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Uh, Chris Stapleton. Oh, I love Chris. Ooh, you just flip genres. Bow, now, bow, bow, wow. Used to spend my night along the bottle. I don't know what he's saying half the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you gotta go classics too, right? I mean, is there a bad Frank Sinatra song? Ooh, I don't think so. That's a really good question. There's some songs he says such stupid stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I still love it. He could sing the phone book, though. He totally. says, like, bro, his old, voice was old like, blue eyes. His voice was like, Black Velvet. Black Velvet and a little boy smile. Yeah. That was, uh, that's one time my grandma said to me, she said, you know who the two greatest Italians in the history of the world are? And I said, my grandma's Italian. Okay. And she had dementia at the time. (laughs) And I said, "Uh, who? And she said, Frank Sinatra and Jesus. (laughs) And I was like, grandma, um, nobody's going to disagree with Frank. Um. But Jesus is Jewish. And she was like, what? She said, wait a minute. Get out of here. I said he never even visited Rome. Stop it. (laughs) I mean, he's probably been there now, but. When you talk about (laughs) your grandma and being Italian, it makes me think about that Sebastian Maniscalco bit where he talks about his grandma. They locked her in the basement. They had to just (laughs) fire out lasagnas, bro. You ever see his bit about Passover? Oh, yeah. And the Italian should cater bro, the yeah. Passover. Yes, it's hilarious, bro. You're giving us a little parsley <laughs> and then because you gotta have a meatball. You gotta give me a dip in it. You gotta dip the meatball in something. Yeah. I can't think a of it. I mean, I, he's my favorite comic, so he's hilarious. But mm. so uh Chris Stapleton, that's I'm another a Jim one. Jim Gaffigan guy. I got uh speaking of Jim Gaffigan, this is one of my guys, actually, is Billy Joel. I can't think of Billy a bad Joel. Billy Joel. I can't think of a bad Billy Joel song pre Christy Brinkley. <laughs> You let you blame it all on her. Oh, for sure. It all fell apart. Post Chrisley Brinkley, he started recording songs like "We Didn't Start the Fire." Bro, that's a great song. Go back to Piano Man. It's all right. That's a Billy Super Joel song. Piano Man. We didn't start the fire. Yeah, bro, that was his big '80s hit. Wow, it was like his commercial hit. That was like where he proved that he can play stadiums. Although he was playing stadiums it long before that. Burning, bro. The world turning. Yeah, yeah, uh, Michael Jackson. No bad songs. His last album, I mean, people didn't like it, but I love every song on that album. I would say this. I can't disagree with you because I can't think of one that would be a bad song. That's what I'm saying. I'll take it uh, back 80s, I think. Heal the world, make it a better place. You don't have enough vibrato. For you and for me and the entire human race. I feel like I'm in the room with Michael. <laughs> yeah. Shamo. <laughs> mama say, Mama saw, Mama Husa. Mm. Mama say, Mama so saw, good. Mama Husa. I was like, what was that word? Yeah. Is he speaking in tongues? Yeah. Michael saved. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's. Uh, I get it. Sing it, Bubbles. I get it. <laughs> bubbles. Yeah. Yeah, we're not talking about personal life here. No, I'm talking we're about. Just, uh, we're just strictly on the music. Uh, 1980s rap, I can't tell you a bad song by Public Enemy. Gosh, yeah, I, I mean, I you know, I'm a big Dre fan. Doc, oh the yeah, doctor. Sure. Yeah, Doctor Dre is good, but I can think it's I, I can't. Then again, 
I think there are Dre songs I don't like, but I couldn't name them for you. Right. Huh. Hmm. My son's a big Kanye fan. Snoop Dogg. Dogg. Uh, his first album probably was all really good songs in that. Yeah, I, I mean, like he you got can't watered down like that. listen to any of them. I will say this. Had Pearl Jam stopped at the record 10, I could say that about Pearl Jam. That's their first one. Yeah, and yeah. if they would have stopped there. <laughs> I, I like, don't call me daughter, not fit to be. You like that song? I actually <laughs> like lots of Pearl Jam songs after 10, but I think that they made records where they made records too fast. Yeah. That they were like, bro, like – Maybe the record company made them do that. I don't know, but they were putting out stuff before they had had time to. I mean, they, you know, when when a group comes out with a really good first record, like Boston, the first Boston, Boston. record, top to mm. bottom. Bro. I love Chicago. I love Chicago. Chicago's got thirty plus. And albums I can of hang with Peter Cetera solo. I don't think you can. I mean, I I like him. Oh, I thought you uh, meant no, you no. could sing. No, I mean Peter Cetera's no, solos. No, I don't high. think so, bro. I could try. Remember when he sang a song with Amy Grant, bro? I was like, oh, oh I, I don't. I can't believe that he sang a song with that Amy Grant sang a song. I wasn't allowed to Jared. listen to her because she was divorced. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but you're allowed to listen to Billy Joel because he's from New York. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That is so ridiculous. Yeah, no, that's my wife's story. She was a big Amy Grant fan, and then people told her she couldn't listen to her parents didn't, but other people were like, you can't listen to her more because she's divorced. Could she listen to the male Amy Grant, a.k.a. Michael W. Smith? <laughs> <laughs> well. They were like pee in a pod. They were one in the same, bro. Totally. They're, I can't think I of very her, many good- I took her a few years ago to Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant no, Christmas. bro. It was spectacular. I can't think and of he, a lot of did. good Michael friends W. Smith are friends songs. forever. But they did if do Rocket the Lord's the Lord of them. They do Rocket Town? Probably. Down at Rocket Town, Rocket Town. I don't know Rocket anything Town. about Michael W. Smith. Uh, I was the sad in that thing world. is, I, I, I have a lot of people who. I mean, I'm a music guy. I love music. Mm-hmm. It's just it's been a part of the fiber of my life since I was little. Yeah. And my parents were both music people, and and well, yet when I talk about music that I love, um. I get a lot of pushback on that sometimes because mm. people are like, well, you shouldn't like non-Christian music. Secular. Secular. Secular music. Secular. Why? <laughs> yeah. Like, why shouldn't I like that? It's not like they're all singing about terrible things. It's like, I just- I, I mean, Snoop Dogg is, but- Snoop Dogg for sure. <laughs> and Dre and Public Enemy <laughs> yeah. and probably the Red Hot Probably all the bands that I named mm, yeah, they're are all singing terrible. about terrible things. But their music is- Secular. In my opinion, more appealing- to my ear. And so I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, I listen to a lot of worship. We have worship that plays in our house 24 hours a day, thanks to Alexa. And, and even we, while you're sleeping? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially when I'm sleeping. When right. I go to a hotel room, when I'm traveling, like the, in your room, the first thing that I do is I open my computer and I turn worship on in the room. Oh, why don't you bring CDs? <laughs> I play them on my Sony Discman I bring with my, my speakers. I bring my CD boombox. <laughs> what is that? It's my carry-on. What I? <laughs> Do you remember when you had? So that? you're only allowed to have one bag and one boombox. <laughs> remember you used to have the thing that looked like a trapper keeper, but it was filled with CDs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You in thought. the car. Oh yeah. You kept it in the car for sure. Yeah. Somebody broke into my car in Queens and took it. Just your CDs. Just the CDs. But did you have I was a like? What are you gonna do with all my Michael Jackson CDs? 
but I but, guess there was a resale market. But did you have the stereo that you could pop the face off of in your car? Oh, yeah. For sure. Of course. You couldn't tell me nothing. That's I was like, right. what? I had a little they can't velvet steal sleeve it to it put it in. have a face. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it creates this thing about like, okay, uh, I've had people say to me, oh, you shouldn't listen to second music. You shouldn't watch certain movies because we're supposed to be in the world. Right. And not, not of it. We're supposed to be out of the world. In the world, not of it. And I go, Which yeah, is not but, in the Bible. Yeah. Doesn't say it. It's from a hymn. They quote it to us though, don't they? Yeah. And so how many I people I mean it's a great it's a good principle. Yeah, but how many people are living their lives where they're like so offended by what somebody else is doing or so bothered by what somebody else is doing that they're not even worried about what they're doing themselves. Yeah, I'll tell you I was preaching at a youth retreat years ago, you know, like five four or five messages. Yeah. And I had my own room and so like when the kids and I was really into Game of Thrones. Mm. So I was watching Game of Thrones. Um so this is before you were saved. Yeah. And <laughs> preaching. I was preaching yes, at a youth before, you were saved. before I was saved. <laughs> uh and I was watching these episodes and you know there's some pretty serious sex scenes and in the in those shows. And my issue is and this is the Lord very clearly said to me, which I don't hear God audibly, you know, it's in my head, but right, and I can count maybe, you know, I don't think it's more than ten times where I've heard a very clear yes. But the Lord very clearly said, "I was like, I don't think I'm preaching very well," and the Lord said, "It's because you're not sober minded because of that show." Wow! And I went, "Yeah, but I have like three episodes left in the season. <laughs> could I just like could I finish the season?" Yeah, you can. And then I thought about. I have sexual trauma from early in my life. Okay. So sex scenes are particularly harmful to me. Okay. I don't think it means everybody can't watch that show. Hmm. I think I have to be careful with what I do because I know that that's a sensitive issue for me. Right. And can lead me in a direction I don't want to go very easily. Right. But I didn't walk out going, you know, nobody should watch that show. There's kind of like this idea of conviction, right? Well, yeah. the Lord convicted me to not do something. So obviously that conviction should be shared by everyone. Right. It should be universal. Right. But if you don't struggle with something like someone else does, I think some people could watch that and not be affected by those things in the same way that I'm affected by those things. Uh, and I think that's part of what, you know— Everybody wants everyone else to be responsible for their sin. Right. Right? But the principle is you're supposed to know yourself well enough and know the commandments well enough mm -hmm. that you know what you ought to do or not do right. for yourself. Mm. And it's not everyone else should do as I'm doing. It's why is that specific thing not good yeah. for you? But we very like – I think instinctively we're – we're like, well, if that's not good for me, then nobody should do it, watch it, listen to it. Right. You know, um, and I, I think that becomes a pretty harmful way to live. I will say, <clears throat> to push back on you, mm -hmm. I don't think anybody benefits from watching sex scenes. Sure. I think it fills our, particularly fills our minds with, Images that we shouldn't be having in our mind. Now, it may affect somebody else differently than it affects yeah. 
you because you had sexual trauma, but I think it still adversely affects anyone. But if you try to hold me to the same standard, to your point, if you try to hold me to the same standard, you're going to be holding me to a standard that's different than the standard that God's had you hold yourself to and that your past has held you to. And so our pasts hold us to different standards than other people because of our experiences and our encounters. I've never watched Game of Thrones. And the reason that I haven't watched Game of Thrones is because I did hear that it was so foul. But I did watch the first couple of seasons of Vikings. And I go like, Vikings is like Game of Thrones with a little less sex, maybe? I don't know, because there's not sex scenes in Vikings. And yes, but then I would justify, because I would have people that would ask me about that. They go, how can you justify... Right. Watching Vikings, and I would go, well, I don't justify because right. isn't the violence it. as yeah. bad as the sex? Right, and I go, uh, but here's what I will say: from watching Vikings, this is going to sound so weird to some people, but this is a truth for me. It may not be a truth for you. I felt like watching Vikings made me understand the Bible better because I didn't really understand the idea. Like when you read through the Old Testament, I looked at it through a monarchy type of situation, right? So Mm -hmm. when it would say the king of here, the king of here, the king of here, I would think like the king of England, right? Or like the king of this enormous empire. But when I watched Vikings, they would call a guy a king and he really was like a mayor, Right. right? Like he's the king, but he's only got like this little crew of people and right. he just happens to have ascended to the the throne of that particular area and there were like mm. tons and tons of kings and so yeah. and then and then in one of the and this is kind of the the episode where I kind of stopped watching it but it it was like whoa it like really opened up my eyes they there was an episode where they were uh simulating a human sacrifice and the pageantry that surrounded oh, yeah. that and the that and the a, painting their faces. Episode. And it was like, whoa. Yeah. So when I read that, I go like, I think sometimes we picture scripture through like this uh, almost like passive watered down watercolor kind of viewpoint. But when I watched that, it was like, whoa, bro, this was brutal. Like this was then it made like some of the battle scenes really right. come to life. And it's not to justify that. That's not why I watched that show. I didn't feel like I needed to justify why I watched that show because if I'm in tune with the spirit in my life, then the Holy Spirit's going to tell me. And again, mine's not audible like yours, but I'll have an inclination. I'll have a feeling where I'll go, you know what? I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be watching this show. Like like, uh, my kids, they watched Stranger Things. Oh, I love that show. Bro, I watched the first episode of Stranger Things. I got halfway through that episode and I could not do it anymore. I had a spirit of fear that came into the room when I, and I, I felt like, bro, I need to go give me a butcher knife. Like when that thing came out the wall, I, don't I said, man, connection. you better, devil oh. is a liar. I was like, like <laughs> I'm not having, I look behind me like there's some, be something, be something come out of the wall at me. I was me. like, why did you, you need a butcher tripping. knife? I'm not going to watch. Understand. That was some trash to me. And I have friends that watched it and, you know, our friend, yeah. Pastor Becky, who put us both through Journey to Allness, she loved it. And yeah. it didn't mean that she was wrong. It just meant that I had this feeling, right? So, and it's not that I'm saying that it's, I think it's a sin that you watched Game of Thrones or that you watched Stranger Things. It's just that I had this, I had a feeling that maybe somebody else didn't have. And so, but I don't want to be held accountable for what you do, or I don't want you to hold me accountable for what the Holy Spirit has told you. Like the Holy Spirit talks to me. It's like, he talks, he talks to everybody if we're, mm-hmm. if we're listening and we're paying attention. And so you actually told me before we got in this episode about uh, Sukkot. 
It's a yeah, interesting sukkah story. and That's cigars. Kinda, yes. Oh yeah. You so, do it every year. So we have an event. Uh, Sukkot is the Feast of Tabernacles. You build a temporary dwelling called a sukkah to uh, remember the 40 years in the wilderness. Um, and uh, we do an event for men called Sukkah and Cigars. So we get pizza, we smoke cigars, and we have whiskey. Um, and so somebody came up to me, and I kind of advertise it every year because it's a great, like the best year was we had like 14 guys show up and seven of them weren't believers. Wow. And I talked to them about the Festival of Sukkot and what it's for and why we do it, and it's just festival of joy and we're uh, lifting a pleasing aroma to the lord and <laughs> with the cigars yeah. um and uh a guy came up to me after the service and said you know i struggle with uh i was addicted to cigarettes for a long time so i can't come to the event and i said yeah you're right you shouldn't come to the event and he looked at me and he was like you're still gonna have it <laughs> and i said well i'm not addicted to it and i'm not Respon- I think you want me to be responsible for your sin, hmm. and I can't be. Um, it's moderate. There's two words, right? One is sober-minded, right? which the idea of being sober-minded is anything that takes you out of your right mind is dangerous. Right. You have to be able to think clearly because it's when we're not sober-minded that we put ourselves at risk to sin and not even remember. Yeah. What we did, mm-hmm. right? So there's all kinds of scriptures about being sober-minded. Right. The other is doing things in moderation. And the struggle with moderation is moderation is different for everyone. And so we have to be honest enough with ourselves. Yes. To what is not moderation. What is moderation and when something becomes dangerous for ourselves. And we have to be prepared to listen to people around us we're like, I think you're doing that too much. And we're like, I am not. <laughs> you know, like, oh, well, why were you so angry from our previous, <laughs> previous episode? Um, well, because I'm not, right? Um, but there's something underneath that. So the thing about uh, all those, you know, like we had a Passover Seder recently, and a guy who had just come out of rehab for alcohol said, "Is you know, there's going to be wine at the table. I like, is it going to smell like wine? And I was like, well, we're also going to have grape juice. Um, so when he bought the tickets, I said, you know, we'll, we'll have grape juice and wine. So if you can sit at a table with a bottle there and not drink it, you know, then I think you'll be okay. So he came two weeks later to the actual event, and he's not even a part of our congregation. He's a part of the church that we share a building with. And he said, uh, you know, I saw him coming in, and I said, hey, if you need me to take the bottle of wine off the table that you're sitting at, I'm happy to do it because I want you to be okay. And he looked at me and he That's was really like, cool. thanks for remembering that. Wow. And I was like, yeah, man, I want you to be like happy and healthy and, you know. Um, but it's funny to me that we're like, like I do seders at churches and some seders, pastors are like, well, we're not going to have any alcohol because there's alcoholics. And then the, my question is, but why are we serving food? <laughs> because if we're serving food and there's a lot of fat people in the room. We don't call them foodaholics. Isn't that the same problem? You know, yeah. so we get ourselves in these binds of like, it's not a matter of we globalize right and wrong. You know, bro, what a great it's, statement. It's, Say that again. We, we globalize right and wrong. Like, wow. well, it's wrong for me, so it must be wrong for everybody. And everyone who does it, I have to judge now. Right. Well, we take things, you know, I think we take stuff too far when, like, I agree. I don't think 
anybody sex scenes are good for anybody. Right. But the point is they're particularly harmful. Yeah, to somebody that has trauma. Right. So or for whatever reason. And the point is we have, you know, so many things come down to our own self-awareness, which is like we have to be honest enough with ourselves about the things that we struggle with. Yep. Um, and be able to listen to the people who love us in relationship with us, who see that we're going too far in an area and be able to say, you know, you're probably right and I need to slow down. It's the determination to, no, I'm right and I'm going to keep doing whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. That is where we find ourselves in all kinds of error. Yeah, I had a, uh, I had a friend when we first got to, we first got to Green Bay who was very connected in the community. He was connected to some people I was trying to get connected to so that I could get them to come to church. And he, he called me one night and he said, hey, we're going to go over to my buddy's office. He's, they built out an incredible bar. And uh, you want to come over and you want to have a drink. And like, I don't have an ethical issue with alcohol. I, but what I do know is I'm very in tune with my capacity for alcohol, right? So most men don't want to admit this, but I'm a relative lightweight. I know if I drink one glass of bourbon or scotch or like hard liquor or whatever, that's enough for me because I know me. Mm-hmm. Now, those dudes had built up a defense system <laughs> that was better than mine. Right. And so they they were partaking like several glasses. And uh, I mean, quite honestly, they got, they went past what they had the capacity to handle too. And, you know, there was that temptation to be relevant, to mm-hmm. keep up, to just, well, bro, like you're trying to win these guys. And at the end of the day, none of those guys looked at me like I was a square because I only had one glass of something. But what's interesting is that there's a whole nother subset of people who are in the church world who would look at me like I was a sinner because I did. Right. But yet I practiced restraint. I didn't get, I was still sober-minded. I had to drive a couple of them home, but I was still sober-minded. But there's there's like this collection of things that we have built out of our insecurities, but called them sins. Now, they may be struggles, Mm. but they're not sins, Mm -hmm. right? And so just because one person like this guy with the cigarette thing, now, like I wouldn't wouldn't look at the fact that that guy smoked cigarettes. I wouldn't call that a sin. I don't want to smoke cigarettes, and I don't want anyone to smoke cigarettes. My parents used to smoke multiple packs of cigarettes a day, and they were imprisoned by it. And not only were they imprisoned by the nicotine, then they were financially imprisoned by it. And so then they couldn't afford certain things. And one one night, uh, it was New Year's Eve 1974. My dad looked at my mom and he said, this is it. We're not going to drink or smoke anymore. And they mm-hmm. were partiers, man. And my dad was just like, this is enough. We're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and they never smoked another cigarette. And my dad didn't drink a drop of alcohol. He was not a believer. But he didn't drink a drop of alcohol for 40 years. And oh. the first time that I ever saw my dad drink alcohol was at my niece's wedding. 
and he started out with a Coors Light. I was like, bro, mm. you went 40, 40 years. Oh, you got to crack the seal that? with the silver Come bullet. Come on, bro. Bro, this is ridiculous. No. The whole bar to choose from. Go There's the McAllen 25 oh. back here. And you're going to go mm, with a some Coors with some Light. in it, baby. Yeah, it makes me think about when you Coors Light makes me think about Bob Seger, actually. Another guy who I can't think of a bad song by. Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. <laughs> That's why it made me think about that. Coors yeah. Light. It was just like incredible. That, but that my dad, he didn't have a he didn't have a spiritual problem with it. He had a physical problem with it. He didn't like what it was doing to his body, and he didn't like what it was doing to his all of his relationships were wrapped up in that. So every friend that they had was wrapped up in smoking and drinking. Yeah. So he he didn't want to be wrapped up in that anymore. But that that doesn't mean that just because he didn't want to be wrapped up in that, that he couldn't be around people who were. Now, I understand that there's certain environments and situations that some people can't be in because it draws them back in. Yeah. Because they're not prepared for that yet, totally. right? But to this guy's point, even of the wine, like why why can't you drink? Like why would you cancel the event? Because dude struggled with – well, there's with there's, cigarettes. There's there's zero verses in the entire Bible that say anything like you should not drink alcohol. Right. In fact, they say quite the opposite, which is like Paul says, a little wine will make your stomach feel better. Right. He says uh, when you know, I I often say to people when you, Jesus' first miracle is turning water into wine. He didn't walk in and go, I'm going to turn this wine to water. <laughs> right? And yeah. then not only does he turn water into wine, but he turns it into the best wine they've ever had so that the groom, the, the uh, attenders of the wedding come to the groom and say, I can't believe you saved the best wine for after we were drunk. Because usually they give us the cheap stuff after we're drunk. Right. But you gave us the best stuff. So Jesus looks at the crowd and goes, they're totally drunk. I'm going to give them the best wine they've ever had. <laughs> what? Why? You guys should have waited. Because yeah. in Jewish understanding context, a full cup of wine is a symbol of joy. Mm. Always. It's why we have a full cup of wine on Friday night for Shabbat. It's why we have four cups of wine at Passover. It's why the rabbis argued we should add a fifth cup. And one rabbi said, why should we add a fifth cup? And the other rabbi said, because I want to drink more wine. That's a <laughs> whole discussion in the Talmud. And this is exactly how it goes. Well, we should probably drink more. If the fourth cup's the last cup, why don't we have a fifth cup? <laughs> right? Like a full cup is symbolic of joy for all kinds of reasons. Do you drink the full cup? No. Okay. Yeah, but some people do. I was going to say, I, that, then I couldn't make it through that. The point is not whether you drink it or not. Yeah. The point is what is sober-minded. Yeah. And, um, and are we careful to keep ourselves in a place of sober-mindedness? And when you think about why people drink, like I hear people say all the time in bars and parties and, you know, let's get hammered. Yeah. Like, why? Why? Well, because they hate everything about their life. Yep. You know, I can, in moments of like frustration with my family and, you know, if I have a few extra drinks, I have to stop and go, what am I, why am I doing this right what now? What am I trying to mask? What am I trying, you know, this problem with addiction is, you know what I need right now? I feel stressed out. I yep. need a cigarette. Yeah. Like that's, yep. it's that moment that is the thing that God is actually concerned with. Yep. Is you don't need that thing. I mean, but you could do the same thing with social media. 
Everything. Right? I'm yeah. so like, TV. I, I got to distract myself. And so I'm just going to keep scrolling with my thumb. Yeah. You know? And and why? Because you're trying to avoid something else. So I think the problem is when we're not, we have to be careful to remain sober-minded and make sure we're doing things in moderation. And then not judge people for not choosing the things we choose or you know, not having the same amount of moderation or, right. you know. But I think we're also, we're supposed to, in relationship with other believers, we're supposed to be able to call each other yes. and go, bro, I think you're drinking too much right now. Yep, for sure. Like, you're getting a little loopy and you need to slow down. Yeah, right? that's what we had said before when we were having the conversation about cigarette and wine guy, two different guys. Yeah. But I said, here's the thing. Like, if I have something in my life that's excessive, yeah. then I want you as no, my brother. You want and a brother or sister to call you on it. To love me enough. And it's not just about substances. It's all right. about, It's also about attitudes. Totally. It's about the way that we talk to each other, the way that we treat each other. Right. And like if I'm if I'm being a bad dad, then I need somebody in my life who loves me enough to say, bro, like what are you doing? You're gonna regret that later. Man, I've been sarcastic my whole life. And uh I found out in counseling that sarcasm is the enemy of vulnerability. Wow. So my counselor said to me. And my wife's been saying to me for years, you got to stop being so sarcastic. And my kids started saying, you got to stop being so sarcastic. And then I'd sarcastically. Okay, buddy. Yeah. All right, sorry. I'll try to not be sarcastic anymore. Um, but then the question was, why am I so sarcastic? And the sarcasm was coming from a place of avoiding vulnerability because it freaks me out. Mm. I don't want to say how I really feel yep. because I don't want to be rejected. Yep. And then in order to not be rejected, I just, I'm sarcastic and mean instead of what I really want to be, which is honest about what I'm feeling. So I think, you know, but so that's, you're, you're that's drown, hard stuff You're to drowning face. your feelings in sarcasm. Totally. Just like somebody's drowning their feelings in scotch or somebody's drowning their feelings in social media. Totally. Whatever that and thing may be. And it took way too long for me to listen. Yeah. To my wife in particular. Um because I didn't understand what was underneath it. Mm. I thought, sarcasm's not that big a deal. Sarcasm's funny. What Jewish person do you know who's not sarcastic? <laughs> we invented sarcasm. Yeah. That's the yeah. whole, it's, a, you know, Jerry Seinfeld. What's the deal with, like, there's, sarcasm is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a tribal trait. <laughs> mm. Well, Sunny, Sunny has a great line. She says, sarcasm is a form of abuse. Mm. And I was a very sarcastic person, and I can still uh, lean in that slant. But I don't want to be sarcastic. I can say this. I can't think of a time that I've been sarcastic with someone and it made me feel good. It's right. always at someone else's expense. It's not edifying. It's not lifting them up. Yeah, but it is funny for a stand-up It's funny. Com it is funny, yes. Yeah, I think there's a place for it. But here's the thing. You, I think the, To me, the best comedy – Back in the day, mm -hmm. when guys used to still do stand-up and it was – like some dudes, it was off the cuff. I used to always love when somebody would pick somebody out of the crowd and he would say something about him. You, you know, ha-ha, I did this. And you go, man, like how does this guy do this every night? Until one night I was at the improv in Houston and Tony Rock picked me out the crowd because I was in the front row. Mm -hmm. And he made me the target of a five-minute tirade that made me feel like I need to crawl out of here because it was like mm. at my expense. And everybody else thought it was funny. Right. But I didn't think it was funny. 
Mm. I thought it was embarrassing and it was demeaning. But if he would have yeah. done it to somebody else, I thought it was super funny, <laughs> you know, because I don't want to be demeaned like that. And yeah. so, like, come back to my thoughts about this idea that people say that I shouldn't listen to that kind of music. Yeah. Like, I go, like, I listen to, as you called it, secular music. Yeah. And, and, but I live a, a relatively holy lifestyle. Mm. You can watch the way that I live. Like the way that I, the way that I live in public is the way that I live in private. It's, I have, I have integrity. I've also had moments where the Holy Spirit has used Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> to speak into my life. Of course he has. Yeah. So, uh, I realized since I was a kid, there's a song in my head and it's every time I'm alone. If I end up by myself, I start singing America by Simon and Garfunkel, which is about him and his girlfriend hitchhiking across the United States. Huh. And for a long time, I was like, I don't understand why this song comes up in my head all the time. And then it was like, well, I mean, it's Simon and Garfunkel. They're the greatest, yeah. obviously. <laughs> it, it makes total sense. But it was actually one line that I didn't understand that I was connecting to until I started to work out stuff in counseling. And the line in the song is, Kathy, I'm lost, I said, though I knew she was sleeping. I'm empty and aching, and I don't know why. Wow. And the reason why I could dismiss it is I didn't think I was empty and aching. Mm. But the, my unconscious was crying out wow. through that line. Yep. And the Lord yep. brought, every time I was by myself, brought that song to mind. Because he was trying to tell me, you're empty and aching and you don't know why. And as I started to come to terms with being empty and aching, then I started to go, man, I really don't know why I, oh no, it's the Simon Garfunkel song. Yeah. It's the soundtrack I'm of your life, bro. I'm empty and, right, since like 14 years old, yep. I'm 43. That's been in my head forever. I'm empty and aching and I don't know why. And in the last three years of counseling, I've started to understand why. And so I'm dealing with yeah. what actually makes me feel empty and, and aching. Interesting that God used a secular, quote unquote, <laughs> secular song yeah. and used that to bless which, you. Which, and that idea fascinates me because I think the, I think the stuff we connect to, um, whatever it is, I think there's always yeah. something deeper that mm -hmm. God's trying to get us to see that's difficult to see if we're not honest with ourselves. Well, I think that sometimes we don't grasp hold of the things that God has redeemed that he wants to use as tools in our lives. So you, apparently for you, you use sukkahs and cigars. Right. And some churches would look at that. They would say that Hate you're it. going to hell. My grandma would say, smoking is not going to send you to hell. It's just going to make you smell like you've been there. <laughs> so... That's a good line. What are the things that what are the things that God's redeemed that we haven't redeemed, right? Yeah. I mean, like, like for me, if I listen to secular music but I live a holy life, I know lots of people who listen to Christian music but live an unholy life. Totally. And but they're they're just using that because it's they've been taught that, right? Like yes. you know how many times I've done youth camps like you're talking about and the the guy running the thing wanted I mean, there's a lineup of things that they need you to do. I need you to get them saved night one. I need you to get them sanctified night two. And that almost always involved a burning of stuff, hmm. whether it's clothing or CDs, CDs always. 
I mean, I burned, I burned four Rob Zombie CDs in my life. It's like I, I would burn it, I'd buy it at different it, times. It, the same I, one? No, no. <laughs> yeah, just the same CD. Back. You just kept buying it. I didn't keep buying you it. You didn't just, even buy it. It, it just, just showed, showed back up. Ooh, <laughs> get behind me, Satan! Yeah. And I, bro, I was like literally same experience as you. I was. They yeah. were asking me to burn these CDs, bro, and and I had a. I had a I had a white zombie CD in my in the speaker's cabin and I loved that song 1969 it was like there's like a driving and one night literally one night I was having kids burn CDs and the holy spirit said when are you finally going to like I've I've had you speak like 11 of these right and I was thinking, I wonder if I would have burned it the first time if I yeah. would have not only had to do one of those Yeah, but so but. that's but this is my question. My question is what is it in that song that actually resonates? Uh, I don't know. Because I think if we find those things, like they resonate for a reason. And it doesn't have to be like an awful reason, yeah. something that you have to fix. But there's like deeper stuff inside of us that we connect to the things we connect. We like the movies we like. We like yeah. the soundtracks we like. We we like the, I mean, if you still have CDs, we <laughs> like the CD, you know, the songs or whatever, like sports teams whatever it is we we're connecting to something right that's that there's a deeper desire for that sometimes those things seem like they're filling a deeper desire yeah but probably aren't right so it doesn't make the thing in and of itself bad yeah. but the question is what is the deeper like cry of your soul and well i think you could say what is it that you're connected to totally right so the more I get connected to the Lord, the less I want to be connected to the things of the world. And there are things right. that fall away in the midst of that. No, totally. But the the It's deeper, hard to I do love Snoop Dogg, but yeah. it's super hard to listen to. Yeah. Like I couldn't <laughs> full disclosure, I couldn't listen to the White yeah. Zombie album now One, that I'm forty four. Snoop Dogg Dog and Dr. Dre is at your dough, ready to make an entrance. So back on up. Cause you know about to <clears throat> Can't say that part. Mm-hmm. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. That must connect to something in your life, though. There's a time in your life where that came out and it's got a it's yeah. got a soul tie to you, something that's a part totally. of that. But here's the thing, like I could be offended by the fact that you just like somebody like on the last episode, I said a word on the last episode that you guys, when we got off, you're like, somebody right. can be offended by that. Well, whatever, bro. Be offended <laughs> by it. Go ahead and be offended by it. But uh but I'm not responsible for what you do. Right. And I'm actually not responsible for your connection to the Lord. I'll help you deepen it. Right. And I'll do that through relationship and I'll help you to whatever degree that you want to, but I am not responsible for what you do. Right. And I've learned that with my kids. My son turned 18 and and Time our whole family has been in, out. our whole family has been in counseling, right? Like yeah. separately and and corporately. And finally, my my counselor told me, "Why is it that you feel responsible for what your son does? Like he's eighteen years old. If he wants to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and go to school, he'll wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and go to school. But why is it that you are you're angry every morning, frustrated? It ruins your morning because you got to go into his room four times to wake him up. He said he said. If he flunks out of school, he flunks out of school. That's yeah. not your responsibility. That was hard for me to disconnect from that, right? right? Because I know the dreams and the aspirations that he has for his life. Mm. But I'm also not responsible for those. I can't work for him. I can't strive for him. I can't dream for him. But that's what we love to do for people. And some of that comes from the fact that maybe we failed in things on our own. And so in 
in one regard, we're trying mm-hmm. to teach people from our failures, but in another th- thing, we're trying to relive what we missed out on through them. Right. And it's the same thing, whether it's our kids or whether yeah, you it's think people it came that from in, yeah. you hope the hope that he wouldn't make the same mistakes you made. Yeah, of course totally. I don't want my kids to make those mistakes. Totally. But at the same time, if I have a problem with tobacco or if I have a problem with alcohol, I can want that for you as my friend too. Right. But I'm projecting that from a place of somewhere else, right? And right. so it comes back to the title of the podcast. I'm not responsible for your sin. So stop trying to project upon me the insecurities that you have, and I'll stop trying to project upon you the insecurities mm, that I have. So hard. It is hard. It is. But at the end of the day... And I, I wish more people were honest about how hard it really is. Yeah. Especially for clergy. Yeah. Like, we're also just people. So we struggle with all the same stuff. Same stuff. And, you know, it's hard to hear the old school preachers stand up and... Like, the day I got saved, all those things fell away. I thought, why didn't that happen for me? Well, right. And I think a whole lot of people are like, what's wrong with me? Yep. Like, it doesn't make this story illegitimate. That yeah. maybe happened for him. But also, I mean, the one guy I'm thinking of in particular who actually said it was also a jerk, <laughs> like, all the time. And my response every time I heard him say it was, why didn't being a jerk fall away? Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah totally. Like and then he became a jerk probably in another way where he became judgmental. Totally. Which is extra jerky. Right. And, like then I'm, and now I'm judging his judgmentalness. Right. And so I think at the end of the day, uh, I can't be responsible for your sin, but I yeah. can help you carry him. Totally. Right? So who is it that you have like in your it. life who you are connecting with, who you are reaching out to? Somebody who, you, if like if somebody tells you that you shouldn't be listening to that kind of music, but you don't like that person or you yep. don't have a connection with that person, then then you just want to tell them to go pound sand. But like if that person is your friend yeah, and that person says, bro, do you know uh, – let's wrap with this. My brother who is a professor of psychology at uh, Buffalo State, New York, he is uh, – he did pretty extensive study on Oh, music. you have a brother that's smarter than you too. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. We My both brother's do, a PhD. Right? Yeah. Matt, mine too. <laughs> yeah. He's a... F- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to put on my book, Matt Rosenberg, comma, ADHD. That's hilarious. <laughs> I actually called my brother because I had a, I had a, I had a school... You got to list your accomplishments. Yeah. Oops. I had a school in Florida that called me a couple years ago and told me that they had uh, bestowed upon me an honorary doctorate. And so I called my brother and I just said, hey, I just want you to know, uh, I know that you have a quote unquote earned doctorate, yeah. but anybody can do that. I have a doctorate because I'm honorable. Yes. So not only do I, I want you to call I me- nothing. Not only do I want you to call me Dr. Hennessy, when yeah. I call, I want you to say, yes, your honor. <laughs> <laughs> so- uh, Brother of psychology, that's where we got. Yeah. So it, it comes back. Oh, so my brother was, uh, <laughs> he did extensive study in his uh, graduate studies about music. Huh. They would put people in a room and they would turn on- certain styles of music and those styles of music would make people act or react in certain ways. And Mm. it was a pretty, Mm. pretty universal that classical music made people kind of respond in one way and heavy metal made people respond in another way. And so I'm, I'm an understander Mm. of the fact that there's, there's an effect and an impact that music has. And so I, what, what I understand about myself is I have to be mindful of that. I have to ask myself, how does this music make me feel? 
And so if I no totally, that, what's going in your in your eyes and your ears affects every part of you. Yeah, it's going to come out in everything that you say totally, and that you do. And so if I'm around somebody and they're my friend, and some like movie or music or something comes on, and they they notice that it has some kind of an effect on me, then I have to have somebody in my life that I love and trust enough that I'll listen to them say, you know, when you, you know, when you put on that, it this, or when you yep. watch it this. And so this idea again of I'm not responsible for your sin, but I, I do want to help you carry it. Well, and you have to choose your people well. Yeah. Right. The, I heard Andy Stanley said on his podcast, leadership podcast recently, um, Something like the the quality of your life is determined by the friends you keep. Yeah. Right? So you want the kind of people who are going to love you unconditionally, but part of loving someone unconditionally is to call them on their stuff. Yeah. But you have to have a deep enough relationship with someone where it can actually be received. So especially for men, right? Men don't talk to other men right? Yeah. often. Um, but finding people who are going to actually love you and speak truth in yeah. love. A lot of people are speaking truth. Yeah. Right? But sometimes the truth is angry and mean and demeaning. Um, but there's a way. You, we have to have people in our lives that will carry what you're saying. Yeah. Which is, you know, not responsible for the choices we make, but will help us carry them. That's yeah. My pastor Fulton Buntane used to say, you can say anything you want as long as you say it in love. And so mm. I wonder who do you have in your life? Our Tuesday night group that Pastor Keith leads at Life Church in Green Bay, that that's a group of dudes. Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> that's a group of dudes <laughs> that they've gathered together. Yeah. And they're sharpening each other. Right. And they're saying things to each other that they haven't had. And it's not, they're not having that meeting in a church. Right. They're having that meeting in a cigar lounge. <gasps> and there's people that, I know they'll have pushback about that, and I'll just go, I don't really care. I don't really care that you as a religious person are offended by the fact that unreligious or unsaved people are actually opening up their hearts and they're communicating, and we had to, by by all means necessary, in the words of Malcolm X, or become all things to all men. And Mm. so I— Craig Groeschel's line is, we will do everything short of of sin. sin. Yep. To reach people with the gospel. Yeah. Back to your Andy Stanley <laughs> I love, line. Mike. I love it. To your Andy Stanley line, we had a youth pastor in our life a million years ago. Her name was Jeannie Mayo, and she was a legend in the Assemblies of God. And she had a line that never dies. It's show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Come on. It was just such a, I mean, she said that 30 years ago. You know and why? It's stuck with me. Because... Friends are friends forever. If the Lord's the Lord of them, bring back to Michael W. Smith, baby. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you've got something in your life that is a challenge for you or that you've wrestled with, uh, find somebody in your life who you trust, who you can share that with, who you can, can communicate that with. And if you don't have somebody in your life like that, I encourage you to find a local church that's life-giving where you can go and you can have the right spirit poured into your spirit and connect with some people who love the Lord with all their hearts. Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you liked it, if you heard something that connected with you, share it, subscribe to it, give us a rating. We love you. We'll see you next time.